Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on Stand the- clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. moving his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Working Experience Podcast. It's Maddie Kay. And John, welcome, 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 everyone. And we are here to talk to you today about how during this coronavirus crisis, elite schools, top schools, MBA programs in particular are uh, swindling students, particularly international students. They've been less than, uh, I would say, reasonable or generous in, um, you know, what what students, prospective students are dealing with. Um well, you know, it's just it's just another institution uh, institution giving us the screws. I'm I'm not surprised by this at all. Well, you know, you I mean, I could see this from a bank, 
you know, well, I mean, the, at least the banks are like giving mortgage forgiveness and stuff like that. I mean, you know, you, you'd sort of expect an institution of higher learning to maybe, um, they're always billing themselves as being, you know, for the community and uplifting people through education and blah. And, you know, they, they just uh, are treating people very shabbily, I guess you would say. Um, unable to enter the U.S., foreign admits... People who have applied, who have been admitted, are asking MBA programs to let them defer their admission, and many business schools are refusing. They're just saying no. Uh, one student profiled in the article that I read, um, his name's Aram. He is in Mumbai, India. He was accepted to the, or he applied to the Kellogg School of Management, which is affiliated with Northwestern University. He applied in early January. He was accepted in March when the COVID-19 had become a global pandemic. So in January, I think we had heard some rumblings, um, but it wasn't even that big a deal in China at this point. Uh, it was a pretty small matter. By the time he was accepted in March to become a global pandemic, the U.S. had sealed its borders effectively and suspended almost all visa processing. Now, Kellogg School of Management is obviously fully aware of these developments. This is not a personal matter on his part. It's not like he got sick. I mean, even if he did, you'd expect them to be somewhat compassionate and reasonable. But it's not anything like that. These are events completely beyond his control. He'd already sent his $2,000 deposit. He wanted to defer his admission, obviously, because he can't travel to the United States to enroll in classes in the fall and they said he would either have to do his courses online or withdraw that was their offer to Aram well you know their attendance has, has been down uh, if you if you look at the last couple of years at these MBA programs they've been down and they're you know some of the big schools and this is not just MBA programs but this is also you know, Harvard's and the Yale's of the world for undergrad is somebody else is just going to take their spot. So, you know, if they if they draw a hard line, it's not like they're going to go under. Just someone else is going to fill their spot. Um, well, this this online course thing is what these schools are using to cover themselves. I mean, they're basically saying, look, we're offering the courses. If you don't want to take them, that's up to you. Hey, hey, at the working experience, we're also offering a course for $170,000. <laughs> yeah, but the difference is ours is guaranteed to work. I mean, guaranteed. guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed. Guaranteed job. I don't You're really guaranteed know what that to make a million dollars. Your first year. In your first year. Your first year, guaranteed. Um, now, for someone like Aram, okay, now, some, you know, the debate's been going on. I have family members who are very miffed at their kids' universities who are um, offering no discounts. Even if things are online, it's like, hey, you know, that's that. Now, for an international student, you know, if like a lot of the campuses aren't even open. The dorms aren't going to be open. You know, uh, some places are going to open later. I think Notre Dame's going to try to open earlier. It, it's very inconsistent and very unclear. 
Um, and, and also the um, the time difference. I mean, if this if this uh, gentleman's in Mumbai, that's what ten or twelve hours. Ten hours ahead? ahead of U.S. time, which would make it very difficult for him to participate in. You know, like if they had a Zoom class or like a real time activity class discussions. And I mean that that's why you go to class to interact with other people to talk. You know, exchange ideas. Um, and they're just, you know, Kellogg School of Management is just kind of like, hey, that there's there's your offer. Now, mind you, they have his $2,000 as well. He already paid that. Um, so, you know, with on, the other thing is, too, with MBA programs, and we'll get into this more, but, and I, I didn't really know this. Um, I've never been in business or anything like that. But a huge part of the draw is networking. It's not really what you learn in the classroom. It's meeting people. And, you know, schools will have, like, recruitment drives and they'll organize, you know, networking nights and, and things like that. And that's probably the way you get a job is just is meeting people. And he's not going to have that opportunity. So... Oh, that's, that's definitely a huge plus is... The networking, also, you know, working together. A lot of business school, you're working on case studies. There's relatively small classrooms. The interaction between the press, uh, the professor and the student, um, you know, is that that's why it costs so much money. I mean, it is. And once you take that away, like how, how are you going to network online? It's like it's like you're having like a thousand Facebook friends. You know, it's like. Maybe you know three of them. Um, so th- you're taking that value out of the equation. And I mean, we've spoken about this on the, on the podcast before is, I mean, if you're going to Harvard or Yale and you're taking courses online and still paying 70,000 bucks, it's just insane. Um, these business schools cost upward of $150,000 for tuition. And someone like Aram was taking out loans to to attend the Kellogg, you know, uh, School of Management because he feels like it's worth it. I mean, he, you know, you spend one hundred seventy thousand dollars, you take those loans out, you're expecting, I assume, to get a job in the six figures, and paying off those loans is not going to be an issue. I'm sure these schools are going to sling some stuff like, well, we'll have online networking sessions. And, you know, Zoom meets with, you know, people in industry. But again, he's 10 hours off of U.S. time. So, I mean, this this backpedaling by these universities sounds like us. I I know. I know. It sounds like a joke. But these. Yeah, it's a joke. Yeah. Right. It sounds like the Trump. It sounds like Trump University. This is like something (laughs) he would do. Remember that? He's been. Oh, yeah. I, I, I believe they lost a lawsuit from students. Who, oh, a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was all garbage. And I mean... Right. Well, wasn't it brought up in New York State, the lawsuit? Yeah. There, there was no... You were supposed to... I mean, first of all, there was no diploma or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like an accredited university. He just called it that. And apparently a big draw was you would get to meet Donald Trump and have a, a session with him. That translated, I believe, into a picture with a cardboard cutout of Donald Trump. Nice. Yeah, so you could bring that to a job interview. I mean, that, I blame that on the student for not reading the fine print. Right. 
Right. I mean, these poor, you know, this poor guy came over from maybe it was India, someplace like that, and he plunked down like thirty-five grand to go to Trump. Oh. Yeah. I mean, God. You know, and, and, and that's the thing. That's this was before Trump was president or anything like that. But he's a very powerful brand. Um, well, I think he was going to teach the students like how to brand themselves because he already had Trump Airlines under his belt, Trump wines, Trump steaks, which is a favorite of mine. Trump vodka. Yeah, he had a few brands. Um, and he was probably going to, I mean, ostensibly teach you how to negotiate and all this stuff. But none of it ever happened. I mean, none of it ever took place. Um, so th there's networking events. And then the other big thing was uh, internships. Now, if you, there's a, um, a regulation that an international student has to live in the United States for nine months before they're allowed to do an internship. So I guess the idea would be you would come in August and you'd be there for nine months until the summer. And then during the summer, you would be able to qualify for a summer internship. But number one, these students are not living in the United States. So there is no internship. I mean, I don't know how you would do an internship. I mean, I, again, I assume these schools are coming up with some BS caveat. Well, you could do an online, you know, work from home or whatever. But it's not it's not the same as being in Chicago, being in Manhattan, you know, going to school there, going downtown to go to an office to meet people. They see what you're all about. They see your interpersonal skills. I mean, you don't get any of that. And so what's it, it sounds like what you're paying for now is just a piece of paper. You're paying one hundred seventy thousand dollars. I would almost just say, look, just send me the diploma and let's forget all the other BS. But <laughs> I mean, honestly, like what you're not getting the networking, you're not getting the internships, you're not getting all of that. You're not getting the classroom experience. So what else are you getting except a piece of paper? Yeah, we, we have a family friend whose son is going to Villanova next year. And if Villanova, I don't know if this has come out yet, but I don't, I don't think Villanova has decided whether they're going to fully reopen. And if they don't fully reopen, he's going to take a gap year because, you know, look, freshman year of college, the courses, you could take those online, right? Yeah. You're going there for the experience of the, the socializing, the campus. That you're going there for the college experience. Why pay? I mean, you probably could watch YouTube videos and get the same academic requirements for freshman year. Now, as you get to sophomore, junior, and senior year, and you're taking more specialized courses, you know, the interaction between you and the professor, yes, that all is valuable stuff. And, and again, networking. But freshman year, doing your freshman year remotely? Well, remember, I, I mean, I flourished. My freshman year, I was all over campus. I was oh. I was known. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was a social butterfly. I was out there on the quad. <laughs> I was yeah. I was rocking the party, man. Just yeah, always, it. always with a football. <laughs> you you want to play? <laughs> hey, anybody want a little two hand touch? What do you think? A little volleyball? Huh? Yeah, partying it up at night. You know how I do. Um. So colleges and universities are facing dwindling enrollment due to closed campuses, obviously. Many students are choosing to stay home and commute 
rather than live in dorms even if they are open in the fall. So I, I remember reading specifically about this one girl. She had applied to, she lives in Arizona, I think. She'd applied to a bunch of schools on the East Coast, and then she was like, no way, I'm going to the University of Arizona and commuting. Because she's like, I have no idea. Like, she was not going to make a financial commitment when they couldn't tell her anything. Um, and Well, also, too, I mean, she could, you know, fly from Arizona to New York, and then who knows at that, at what point, you know, COVID-19 restrictions, she could be quarantined for two weeks. And then she could be stuck in New York or she'd have to fly back to Arizona for two weeks. I just read that Puerto Rico is now open to visitors. But the caveat is when you fly in, you got to quarantine for 14 days. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, <vacation>. what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so you're not really, who's going to fly, unless you have family, who's going to fly down there for vacation? I have no idea. And and quarantine for 14 days, then start your vacation. Then if you're coming back from Puerto Rico, whatever state you're flying back into, guaranteed you're going to be quarantined another 14 days. So you've, you've got to take about a month off. To, no, more than that. You've got to take like six weeks to get any kind of vacation. Six, six weeks. And if you I want mean, to get a week vacation, you've got you to gotta tack a month on to Going it. down to Puerto Rico and sitting in a motel for uh, six weeks. I mean, that, I mean uh, 14 oh, the, days. I, yeah. I'm, I'm itching. The all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> oh. um, so a lot of universities and colleges are looking to slash costs. They're very worried about what's going to happen in the fall with incoming classes now it you know it seems to me like it would just make sense for these schools like carnegie mellon and harvard are granting deferments which i mean you would seem like you would say yeah like we want you to enroll if we gotta wait a year i mean they they could require you to do some stuff online but you should probably be guaranteed a spot the next year um but schools such as Northwestern, MIT, Columbia, and Cornell, they're not offering anything in the way of deferment. Their rationale is that students can enroll in the online courses, or there are internship-free programs, which means, I guess it doesn't include an internship, and you pay less, and they're, they're about a year and a half long. And if they don't do the, either of those things, then, you know, again, to the school, hey, it's your choice, and... That's that. But, you know, that student is giving up all the hard work they did all through high school and college, all the time they spent on applications, and all the application fees, which can get very, very expensive, those fees. So, you know. I mean, it really, it really sounds like these you know, select universities are really hanging out these kids to dry, or these young adults. Well, I've heard stories. I mean, this is not new. Universities have been, uh, I have found, many times to be very unreasonable about things you would think are no-brainers. Like the school you and I went to, I remember I wanted to move in a day. They had scheduled the move-in day for sophomore or junior year, like on a weekday. And, you know, my parents worked. So, you know, I, I just called and said, can I come down a day early? The rigmarole for this just a day early and it's you know sometimes it's like i'm paying you like my parents are paying you i'm a customer here 
And it, when I finally went down... Oh, you're, you are not treated like a customer. No. I had to get on this list. But I come down. The dorms were all open. Nobody cared. I could have shown up a week early. <laughs> for all this BS. And from what I heard from people who had to deal with loans and financial aid, it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. Oh, I, I, I had to deal with loans and financial aid. It was a... It was called the Bursar's office, and it was a nightmare. Yeah. They, I mean, how many times they screwed up? Yeah. I, I remember one time, um, you know, you, you, you know, this is going back decades, but you would get online to get in classes, and you would then fill in all the classes. You can get on all the, the lines with the good professors. And I remember going up to, like, hand in my final, like, registration and then being denied because the Bursar's office screwed up my scholarship or my loan or my grant, whatever it was. And I remember one semester, I got locked out of all classes and I had to take all night classes. It was, it was my, I think it was my sophomore year, my junior year. All my classes were at 7.30 at night. Oh my God. <laughs> And, and they're, I, I'm sh- they just, they look at you like, well, hey, sorry, there's nothing we can do. Like, oh, oh, they, they didn't shed a tear nothing for me. You it was, the, it was their mistake. Yeah. I was in all my classes, but no. then all the classes filled up and right. they're like, oh yeah, no, that's sorry. just the way that, that's just it. Yeah. We make a mistake and you pay for it. That's how it Oh, so yeah, I'd get up my entire day. This was like uh, this before internships or everything. My entire day was clear, and then I had a, <laughs> I had a class at night. I remember a friend of ours would, same deal. He, he you know, dealing with the bursars over there, everything set. Yeah, he, his parents would get a letter home. Haven't paid this. Haven't paid that. You're going to get kicked out of class. We're going to, you know, come to the dorm and drag you out and throw all your stuff you want. He'd go back over to the bursar's office. Da da da! My parents got this letter, but oh yeah, 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 it's all straightened out. Next week, same letter would arrive again. <laughs> not getting classes. Not, like, the same guy, his girlfriend at the time was applying for a program, I believe, at NASA. Right? They just didn't send her application on time. Didn't send her, oh, stra- her transcript. Uh, well, that's great. And they're just like, oh well, I don't like. They, their attitude is like, you should expect us to screw up. Like, what is this? I don't. Why are you right. getting all right. in my face about this for? And I mean, you're only paying sixty five, seventy thousand dollars yeah. a year. Some, I mean, just some change, lose yeah. change. Um, speaking of costs, an MBA from Columbia costs over a hundred and seventy thousand dollars for many students, particularly international. Now, big, now that is that's a two year program, right? I believe so. I don't know, actually. But yeah, most business schools are two years. Yeah, it's two years. Two years. For many students, particularly international, the big draw is attending recruitment, networking events, and as we have said, and summer internships, and as we have said, those would be uh, not available, obviously, if you're in Mumbai or Brazil or other countries. All students benefit from in-person discussions with professors and classmates, which would not happen. Um. One student opined, paying $170,000 to watch pre-recorded videos is like paying $170,000 to subscribe to a YouTube channel. Like, seriously. (laughs) I mean... That's a great quote. Yeah. 
Like, honestly, like what, and as you said, you can probably find YouTube channels on how to do all of this stuff that they teach you in business schools, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're really going for the network and, you know, the working together, the case studies and all this stuff, yeah. but it's really, the, it's really the network. You know, uh, you ever heard of Wes Moore? He wrote a book called yep. The Other Wes Moore. Right. Uh, which for our listeners, great book. Pretty pretty quick read. Um, he he had kind of a troubled upbringing. He, he was kind of here and there. He's in New York for a while, and um, his father passed away when he was young, and his uh, mother was raising him. And he they landed in Baltimore. He turned out doing very very well. He went in the Marine Corps. He became uh, you know graduated from college. He worked in the Obama administration and so forth. Um, but there was another guy named Westmore who grew up like two blocks away from him, he ended up in prison for life due to a, uh, a, a jewelry heist that went wrong and an off-duty police officer was killed. And he ended up contacting this guy because it was just sort of like, wow, we're both you know men of color. We both have the exact same name. We grew up two blocks away from each other. And you ended up in jail, and I, he ended up where he is. So he's a very compelling guy. He does a lot of talks, a lot of TED Talks and things like that. And he was talking about education, and he's like, look, it's really not what you learn in the classroom. It's the people you meet. Like, how many people get jobs because of people they know from college or someone graduated? Right. They go to alumni events. Fordham has an alumni place up in Boston. I'm sure they have one in every major city. And, you know, it, or... Even if you didn't go to school with someone, they just see your university on your transcript and they're like, oh, wow. Or your application or your, your resume and they're like, wow, this guy, I mean, it's a complete falsehood in my case. I don't, I don't know much of anything, but at least I have it at the top <laughs> of my resume. <laughs> you know, that's pretty good. Right. So, you, and you just miss all this stuff. You're not going to get any of that online. You're not going to get to meet people. I mean... Would you hire somebody you only met online or you only, like, interacted? I mean, your your business is a little different because you hire freelancers and things, but... Yeah, so I, I've done that in the past, but, I mean, if I'm going to hire, like, someone full-time, no, I wouldn't just hire them off uh, online. Well, and a lot of times, like, a, an internship is like a tryout. Like, you, they want to see, are you not a spaz? Like, do you show up on time? Do you, is your body odor acceptable? Like, how right. do you interact? Do you steal people's lunches? Right. Like, you know, they want to get a sense of you as a person, which they're not really going to get, you know, on a Zoom call or something like that. I mean, if you work with somebody long enough, their weird stuff is going to come out. And Oh, yeah. I guess a manager has to figure out, all right, can we live with this? Is this person good enough for the job that we can deal with their... Like, if you're hiring a tech guy, they're kind of weird. And you expect that. And, you know, you're just like, okay, you, you can do this job. I, I, build... I think, I think your, your blanket accusation that all tech guys are weird... Well, I find that highly offensive. That's what our listeners have come to <laughs> expect from the working experience. Blanket statements with no evidence to back them up. Yeah. Zero evidence. Yeah. Um, because cause Matt met a guy 10 years ago who was a tech guy who was weird. Well, now, yeah. every tech guy yeah. is weird. Well, honestly, like if someone comes to fix the plumbing 
like, I don't, I could care less what their personal situation, you know, my lawyer, my accountant, like, as long as I can do what I need them to do, I don't, I really don't care. It doesn't matter to me. But, you know, if you're working in an office with somebody, uh, yeah, I found many tech guys. They're techie. They're just, we- they're techie sort of tech people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They just, You're just you know, digging yourself deeper in the hole. Just these more generalities. I'm doubling down. I'm doubling down. Just like our president. <laughs> I doubled down. Um, so the overall feeling from these students is schools have not been helpful. They are not clear. Um, they have a very take-it-or-leave-it attitude. Either do the course online or withdraw. Um, and th- this really floored me that um, this guy from... Brazil. He lives in Brazil. He was admitted to Cornell. He was unsure if he'd be able to travel to the U.S. because of restrictions, and he was concerned about leaving his parents in the middle of the pandemic. After they rejected his deferment request, he asked for his $2,000 fee to be returned. $2,000 in Brazil to him was a month to a month and a half salary. Cornell said no. They wouldn't give him his $2,000 back. Really? Cornell... The school has how many millions, tens of millions of dollars in endowments? I mean, these schools... Oh, no, I think it's hundreds of millions. Yeah, astronomical amounts of money, and they won't give this guy his $2,000 back. I would And he was willing to just completely unenroll. Yeah, just unenroll. He wanted to defer. They rejected it, and, and they won't give him his... Application is a. Uh, oh, that's nice. So it's, that's back. way to go, Cornell. That's great. I would love for someone from Cornell, an admissions officer, to answer: Do you think that's fair? You you think this is okay? You can't give this guy his two thousand dollars back. And I would love to hear that ant like what mumbling rationale they would come up with. They would probably say, "Look, we offered him online courses, and he said no, so that's up to him. If he withdraws, he withdraws." You know, it's that's that's just the wrong thing to do with Cornell. But you know, on the flip side, for the universities, is they have, you know, they have a ton of fixed expenses. They have the salaries of the professors. They have the administration. They have the buildings. They have the taxes. You know, all that doesn't just go away. And if you have the majority of their students deferring or you know just kind of dropping out, it's going to take a major financial hit now obviously the the big well-known top tier universities the harvards the yales the princetons they have massive endowments and i'm not shedding a tear for them but there are other schools that are you know maybe outside the top 50 where you know if half the students defer that could be a major financial load to them true um but the schools... and, and, and it's through no fault of anyone's. This is something external that everyone's trying to deal with. So I'm not saying the universities are right. I'm not saying the students are right. I mean, if I was an incoming student, I would not go. I would defer. I mean, there's no, there's no way that you're going to get the same level of education as you would in person. No. No. And then on the university side... It's it's like they could, you know, they could shut their doors 
Yeah, but I mean, I, I can't speak for all universities. Cornell is not shutting its doors. I mean, they have so much money. No, no, the the t yeah. Cornell. I mean, you're you're talking about top tier. All yes. the names we've mentioned from Kellogg to Yale to Cornell. These are top twenty business schools or top twenty five. They're not closing their doors, but there are other business schools that, you know, maybe maybe number one fifteen on the list you know, could be, could be really, really hurt financially. Well, what they're doing, these schools to cover themselves, I mean, they have no financial incentive to grant deferments. They have long waiting lists and the schools are reconsidering applications, meaning they will accept students who can attend and will pay. So if there was a way, you know, if, if they accepted a hundred students and you have number one on the waiting list and say this guy from Brazil well, now they're going to bump up the other person. And the the suspicion is that they're just going to give favoritism to students who live in the U.S. because they can attend or they're they're not fit. Like the guy from India, he can't come here if he wants to. There are travel restrictions. Right. Guy from right. Brazil, same deal. So, you know, again, it's like you these I mean, these schools here and I can't speak for the other schools, as you say, but. It's just being completely uh, unreasonable. And you know what's interesting, though? This guy, uh, Steve Kahn of Miami University, which is in Ohio. There's, there's a Miami, Ohio. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I didn't know that either. He says that recessions tend to attract more students to business programs. Because when the labor... It seems like when the labor market is strong, people feel more confident about... Like they're not going to drop 170 grand. They're, they're going to take that money and open up a business. But when the labor market, I guess they saw this in 2008, when the labor market tightens up, if they can get loans to get into a business school, they want to get a job. So they do better during oh, the, yeah, that's, the MBA. That's absolutely that's absolutely true because the labor market's strong and the economy's humming along. You you can make more money. And you, you don't need the MBA to advance your career because, you know, it's like go-go times. And then when the economy constricts, it's a good time to kind of jump off that hamster wheel, take two years, get your MBA. And then by the time you get back, hopefully the economy is picked back up again. Yeah. But unfortunately, it leaves a lot of these international And I'm sure a lot of uh, students in the U.S. are are experiencing the same things. But this article was particularly about international students who, you know, that like the guy um, from Mumbai said he just, he wants to be a successful business person. He wants to, you know, like a lot of people, he wants to make a lot of money. He wants to, you know, uh, I guess move here and I don't know, maybe move back to India at some point. And, and he's worked hard and he's, he's done all the right things. I guess it gets very frustrating. We talked about this with the millennials kind of getting the one-two punch. You know, they went through the 2008 crisis. Now they're going through this. Like, you do everything right. You know, you go by the playbook and then bang, a pandemic hits. And it's like, everything's out the window. And my, my irritation with these schools is they kind of act like they don't have any choice in the matter. And it's like, yeah, you do. You could, somebody's making this decision to say no. And they kind of act right. like, no, it's just an act of God and it's not us. And it's, it's a very corporate attitude. Like corporations, 
whenever they have to lay off 25% of their workforce, they sort of act like it's an act of God. Like they have no control over this. And it's like, well, yeah, you do. I mean, you, you are ultimately making a decision to lay people off. Someone has to say well, yes. Well, no, no one's going to grab onto that responsibility. Well, I no, think no one's raising their hand. That's basically the reason for corporate structures because there is no like individual accountability. You don't you don't have the one owner of the company saying, "Hey, look, guys, I made ten million dollars last year." Um, I'm going to lay off 25% of you because I can make 15 million if I do that. I mean, at least that's honest. At least that's like, hey, welcome to capitalism. Well, well, also too. I mean, a corporation has to. Um, Are you going to say stockholders? In- Are you going to say stockholders? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's always that's always what it is. See, John worked in the corporate world. No, no, hold on a second. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you why. They justify it. There are B Corps out there that um, is kind of like a, a sub um, a sub C Corp that, you know, in their state, their mission statement, they, you know, they could say that they're for the environment or for their employees. And there are businesses that um, and there, there, have, there are instances right now with with COVID-19. I think it's I mean, I'm not a huge gambler. Or go to Vegas. But I think when casinos I think they're, he's kept everybody on the payroll. Hmm. Like every single person, you know, the hotels are empty, the restaurants are empty. And I mean, he's, he's taken it on the chin to the tune of tens of millions of dollars, but he laid off nobody. Hmm. I think the same thing is true for um, MMA, uh, the ultimate fighter, the UFC. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they've laid off anybody and... They're making no money because there are no fights, but yeah. all the employees are still getting paid. So there are instances where business owners, and these are, I, I think Win is a private company. I think the UFC is also private um, because you could, if you chose to do this stuff and it was hurting the bottom line, therefore hurting shareholders and hurting profits, you could have the board throw the CEO out. Yeah. For making those decisions. I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying this is the way that it's set up. Well, aren't there some legalities too? Like, isn't the CEO or the board like legally bound to make better decisions for the stockholders? Is that true? Yeah, that is, that is correct. And the board oversees the CEO. Right. So, um, yeah, no. And the way it's set up too with Wall Street is it's all short term thinking that reflects the share price you have very few public companies that are long-term thinking and an example would be like and there's a lot of hate being thrown around for for uh for jeff bezos at amazon but that was an instance of him not caring about quarterly profits elon musk is another one bill gates where they took a long-term view but they're the minority the majority of um ceos will will actually buy back stock, will actually use cash to buy back stock to prop it up so that they can get a bigger bonus and the stock price goes up. And when you think about it, if a company has extra money, they should be investing in R&D, more employees, you know, building out. They shouldn't be, in theory, wasting that money to drive up the share price, but their compensation is based on the share price, making the shareholders happy. So there are a lot of things in the system that are not, let's just say, not great. 
Um, but there are examples of CEOs and owners and entrepreneurs like really doing the right thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I own stock in some companies and I got, you know, a, a vote thing about, you know, I, I said, no, I don't want anyone laid off. But then I looked at how much it was going to increase my stock price. Oh, yeah. I said, and then yeah, you get, said, get, fire get everybody. Yeah, get rid yeah. of them. <laughs> could, could, you, could you actually backdate it for March 5th? <laughs> I said, look, if it's easier, well, not easier, if it's cheaper to dump that waste material in the nearest lake and that's going to financially benefit me, sure, yeah. Yeah, if I'm going to make an extra 25 cents a yeah. month so you can yeah. uh, unload that toxic chemical, go ahead and do it. I'm a, I'm a big liberal theoretically, in theory, right? But I got to look right. at my but once it line. hits the once it hits the uh, yeah you, all your inve- investments are like Philip Morris Exxon Mobil <laughs> how can we better market these tobacco products to children we got to come on what are you guys doing you guys I actually there? have a I actually have a great idea let's make a a cartoon with for kids and everybody smokes how about bubblegum flavored chewing tobacco? <laughs> How about that? Come on, <laughs> you know, kids, they love it. You know, it's great. Um, all right. But, well, if anybody's listening over there from the universities, and I'm sure you are, I mean, you guys run MBA programs. Th- this is an MBA program, basically. This is better than an MBA program. <laughs> I mean, come on. And I would be. And this is free. I would be more than happy to print any of our listeners out a diploma from my printer <laughs> yeah. here. And Absolutely. I'll mail it right to you free of charge. You just, well, you know, there, there are certain processing fees and things like that, obviously. But, um, you know, I mean, you're. you're yeah, getting, there's. It, it, listen, there's the processing fees, the shipping and handling is sure. what? A thousand dollars to shipping? Something around there. Well, I got employees and you know, I got all that. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, well, anyway, folks, um, hopefully, if you are caught in this maelstrom, you're the parent maybe more likely of a student who is caught in this maelstrom. I, I really hope these schools kind of, you know, maybe they'll take, if things don't get better, they may take a softer view or they may just decide to draw a sharper line in the sand. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, yeah, no, hopefully hopefully it resides, resolves itself where it's, you know, there's a compromise and there's a benefit to the students and the university. Because, I mean, look, you don't want to see, you know, you don't want to see pain inflicted on the university you don't see pain inflicted on each individual student no it doesn't benefit anyone all right everybody thanks a lot for listening and our website the working experience is up and live you can the working uh you can watch our videos you can read our blog posts uh you can you can listen to stuff. any episode from the from the start when do we start this 2018 2017 yeah it's well we take things very slowly over here we think about yeah, them we, it was uh, uh, i think we've got 350 episodes of you know our creativity yeah, and our intelligence yeah, yeah. oozing out of the speakers that's free it's free free i mean there is some there's some merch on there yeah and we would, you know, we're, we're coming out with courses and we got the pills, we got the seminars, we got all that stuff hey, we coming. We need a revenue It's in the stream. works. We do need a revenue stream, <laughs> all right? I do like my But, de- but definitely checking out. Yeah. You, can, you, can, uh, you can basically view all our videos, listen to our content, and all our social media is there if you want to follow us on social media. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>
Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.